0: Hello and welcome to start your week from the Bunker Daily. I'm Andrew Harrison and with me bright and early I've got Alex Andreo. Hello Alex, how are you? Hello Andrew, I'm fine. Good, big weekend, an incredibly boring weekend of politics. Not much happened, did it? (laughs) Yeah, it's been like that uh, all week, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So it's big news the fat-faced Sun so is back to ruin everything for Boris Johnson. We usually look ahead at what's going to happen uh, on this Monday Morning Podcast, but everything's still dominated by the fallout of the Dominic Cummings-Boris Johnson Dominicated. Dominicated, yes. <laughs> Good one, yes. The blog posts, the row, the counter-accusations. Cummings has accused Johnson of two resigning offences – planning to cancel the investigation that he himself had called into leaks because it might pin them on Carrie Simmons' mate, Henry Newman, and accepting funding to do up the flat at number 11 in contravention of regulations on donors. But weirdly, today's Times is still focusing on who leaked the lockdown plans. Why are we still hearing about leaks and Dyson techs and flats when the issue is Johnson lying? Leaking the lockdown plans is probably the thing of
1: most importance in all of that, the Flat refurbishment uh, might break the rules. Uh, It might be improper. It might even be unlawful. But the underlying offence, as it were, of spending money to upgrade the Downing Street flat, I think is going to have less cut through because people see the Downing Street flat as sort of public property. So a lot of people will see it as, say, he spent money on doing up a you know a public property and when he's no longer prime minister will move on to the next person the leak of the lockdown plans that cost lives Mm. um so you know people getting wind early that a lockdown was coming meant that everyone went out that weekend i don't know if you remember it was heaving absolutely heaving the weather was very good And everyone was like, gather your rosebuds while you may. And in many people's eyes, that heaving weekend was responsible for the huge peak in infections that we experienced in the following two weeks and the peak in deaths that surpassed even the March-April
0: peak that we experienced a month later. I mean, we saw this astonishing headline on the Mail today that Johnson said he would rather see bodies piled high in their thousands yeah. than order another lockdown. This is the Mail, which employs yeah. Michael goes wife Sarah Vine. What do you think of that? I mean, it, it's because it, that, it, that story, but also for that story to be there. It's an interesting story because in many, many
1: ways, it's snooker's number 10 because Dominic Cummings has made his intention clear to reveal all when he gives evidence to the uh, commission in 3 weeks time and he has hinted that he's got the receipts if that makes sense so that yeah. he's got uh, you know contemporaneous notes messages recordings etc cetera, etc cetera. and so if what the mail says happened did happen if Boris Johnson did resist a third lockdown, even as um, infections were out of control. If Boris Johnson um, did say stuff like, I don't care, let people die, then Downing Street has a bit of a dilemma, because if they deny it now, and then Dominic Cummings pops up uh, giving evidence to the committee in three weeks' time with evidence that that is exactly what happened, they have a massive problem. And if they don't deny it now, the story rolls on and on and on. And so I find this very interesting. I don't think the source of this story was Cummings. My instinct tells me that he's the sort of person that will want to make his appearance in front of the committee as big box office as possible. So I don't think he would release snippets of the big reveals that he's going to make anonymously to newspapers. He's too vain. So there there are other players involved. But uh, what's interesting is I was listening to Gavin Barwell um, on the Today programme this morning, and he made a very interesting point that leaks happen for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes they're innocent, you know, slip of the tongue. Sometimes they're a politician trying to gain the favour of a particular newspaper sometimes they're there to avoid a different story breaking. And that I find really very interesting, the possibility that there are not only players in the background who are ambitious and want to dethrone Johnson, but also that there are players in the background um, for whom there are negative stories swirling around and who are basically beating those down by giving the press other stories about Johnson because it seems like
0: it's open season now and um, just rolling back to the blog at the weekend I mean it was quite as usual they released these things on Friday to screw our podcasts don't they uh-huh. what did you think when you read it because it was uh, people have described it as yeah, they've never seen anything like it in their lives of, of reporting politics. I thought it was typical
1: Dominic Cummings, to be entirely honest. I wrote almost a year back uh, for Ian Dunst out of politics.co.uk. I wrote a piece with the title, I Fear for Brittle Boris, in which I said that at the time everyone considered that the the Johnson-Cummings dynamic duo was unbreakable and unbeatable, um, and that they were acting as one because Johnson had expended a huge amount of political capital, saving Cummings after the uh, Durham trip stuff. And so once he rode that out, and he started making really aggressive moves, sacking civil servants and things like that, people assumed that this was for keeps, and that they were uh, unbeatable and were going to shake everything down. And I wrote a piece at the time in which I said that two such huge egos, two such narcissists, never truly merge into one unit, and that at some point they will turn on each other, and the fallout will be absolutely toxic. Um, Because it always is with such personalities and because their objectives differ wildly. Johnson wants an easy life. Johnson wants to have been prime minister. Cummings wants to shake the uh, the political establishment to its foundations. And at some point it became painfully clear that Johnson was not the instrument through which to do this. And maybe Johnson will be the unwitting instrument through which to do this. So maybe Cummings' new strategies that he will use Johnson, the people's man,
0: to shake the political establishment. The Sunday Times was reporting over the weekend that Cummings is, the quote, is haunted by fear he could end up in prison either over irregular spending during the Brexit referendum or his conduct in government. Carol Cadwalader was resurfacing the Shamir Sani evidence about voting mm-hmm. deleting files from its hard drive, which could have been evidence of electoral crimes. That story died when it first came out. Do you think it could resurface now? I mean, the idea that Cummings is in fear of jail certainly puts a complexion on him going on the front foot here. It depends. It
1: depends who's got those receipts, if that makes sense, and whether they're a Johnson ally, and whether Johnson considers it prudent to strike back at this uh, stage or whether he will try to take the temperature out of it. His instinct, I think, will be Cummings having made this very public threat, basically, that I will tell all, about that time in Downing Street. I think Johnson's instinct will be to dial down the temperature and stop going after him, at least until his appearance in front of the committee. If Cummings has things to fear from the Johnson side, then it makes sense why he will have really used this more minor stuff in his blog and promised to reveal the more major stuff in front of the committee, uh, because it would have been intended like a th- as a threat. It would have been a don't-go-after-me mate, because I know where all the, the bodies are buried. Um, so it might just be that. The really juicy stuff, the thing that can really shake Johnson's uh, administration, will be revelations to do with covid and lockdown mm. that is the big story and if there are stories in the background which are provable that Johnson uh, while pretending to uh, always be following the science and doing what needed to be done was actively resisting moves that would have saved thousands of lives that is not a minor wound on his administration. That's a really major thing. If I can make one more point, the most interesting feature of this story for me is that it is entirely self-inflicted. It was Johnson who picked up the phone because he was so angry about all the stuff leaking out. So it was Johnson that picked up the phone and
0: briefed editors that it was Cummings doing it. This is it. All weekend Tory MP has been raging about this decision to blame Cummins, calling it moronic and self-destructive and so on. Why attempt to pin it on the person who's least likely to suck it up? It just seems to be, you know, crazy political ineptitude. You're better off just leaving it, just accepting leaks are part of life and trying to just let it people become accustomed to it and let it lie.
1: Because he's impulsive, he's unreliable, uh, he's chaotic, and it's the ultimate power play. Because there is a personal battle between him and Cummings. It may have been invisible for a few months, but it hasn't gone away. You know, those are two people, both of whom think they are smarter than the other and that all this time they have been manipulating the other for their own purposes. Neither of them is going to let that go. A final battle to the death has to happen <laughs> for both of them. And so. You know, like I said, if this was a threat and intending to say stop it now, then this battle will play out in four years' time, in ten years' time, when Johnson is out of of administration and Cummings writes his, you know, bestseller. Oh God, Paul Facer's book. But yes. but the point is, this showdown will happen at some point, and maybe. The story in The Times could even be number ten leaking what they think will be the most damaging revelations that Cummings make. They could have, you know they could have a list of what's he got on us, and rather than letting it all come out in the most damaging way in a public inquiry, we may see a series of leaks over the next three weeks in which they feed the stories with a bit of a spin to sort of
0: take the sting out of it. Well, the cabinet secretary, Simon Case, is giving evidence about this today. And he's expected to say that the inquiry into the leaks on the lockdown plans is is ongoing, i.e. stonewall it, kick it into the future. Yeah, this is ridiculous, by the way. Uh,
1: you know, if you haven't found out how a leak happened, you know, 10 days after it happened, you ain't going to find out um, six months after it happened. It's a
0: it's a ludicrous notion. Is it the job of the cabinet secretary to be providing political cover like this, though? Is, it, is that is that the role? or part of the role? In this new universe?
1: Possibly. Because, you know, anyone that stands up to the government is marched out of uh, uh, Number 10 or Whitehall. Um, and, and so maybe the people who have been installed have been installed with a full understanding that
0: they are apparatchiks. One weird thing that, that surfaced over the weekend as well was this business of Johnson and the Super League. Having yeah. declared himself absolutely against it, um, it emerges that he was having prior meetings with Manchester United's Ed Woodward about it. And
1: interestingly, I think if this story snowballs into something bigger, I think this has even more instant peril for Johnson because it's a sort of story that may not sort of rumble on for months, but it might blow up in the week. Uh, before the election, if that makes sense, and do him loads of short term damage, especially in northern constituencies where he really wants to do well in the coming locals. I think this has the potential to be quite explosive if it turns out that he nodded his approval to the super league and then, when he saw how strong the public reaction was, just left them dangling and completely switch switched allegiance. It would also be totally, totally on par with his personality from what we know. You know, it would yeah it would be vintage. I wrote two articles and <laughs> one at random I love the Super League. Jumping. I hate the
0: Super League. Yeah, yeah. I love yes. the Super
1: League. I hate the Super League. I picked yeah. one and then when I saw the pitchforks I quickly substituted yeah. the other one and told no one. Um, but yeah, I think I think Because the football story has such cut through to so many more voters than the complicated ins and outs of this episode of the Borgias, it has the potential to hurt them a lot.
0: But it's tangible, isn't it? It's like the leaks and the chatty rat and all this stuff. Nobody's talking about that in in beer gardens, never mind. if if if, uh, if pubs are open, they wouldn't be talking about it in pubs. But you can you can get your head around the idea that a bunch of rich people decided to steal football, and the prime minister was cool with that. Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, and
1: also, the other story goes into a, a sort of more general pile of incompetence and corruption, mm. um, and. People may not, uh, you know, be completely au fait with their ins and outs and every detail of those stories of Greensill, of, you know, Hankook and his sister's company, of, uh, you know, Chatty Rat, of all of that stuff. They may not understand uh, every detail of that, but there is is an incredible stench beginning to rise from that compost heap and they don't need to understand every detail of that, every rotting thing that is added to that heap adds to that smell, and at some point that smell
0: might become overwhelming. Let's talk about the flat for just a little bit. Did you yeah. see the state of the designs from this Lulu little character yeah. that are I in tablet?
1: Yeah, it's chacun son goût, I guess. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Um, well, look, I mean, I'm not... In many ways, I don't want to hello-magazine this by commenting on her taste in Mm. wallpaper. The point is not even that she was spending all that money. The point is not even that some of that money was public. I'm, I'm sure that if I saw how previous prime ministers had done up the flat, there would be stuff in there I hated. The point is that... As I understand it, Johnson was trying to finance that refurbishment by basically, you know, putting himself up for auction
0: to donors. That is true, but I'm not sure I agree with you about the, about the deco because it, it is banana republic opulence. (laughs) Carrie wants gold wallpaper. And then to accompany that with messaging about Theresa May's John Lewis nightmare. Don't most Tory voters like John Lewis and shop at John Lewis and admire the modesty and despise (laughs) gold wallpaper and you know, diamond toilets and they see that as, 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 you know, not what, you know, their idea of modest Britain is all about. I do think it's important. I think, you know, God, ask Ed Miliband about kitchens. It is important. Maybe. maybe. I, yeah. I was just I, I just saw it and my stomach. But you it. see but you see that's the point. Ask Ed Miliband
1: about kitchens. The story about, you know, Ed Miliband and kitchens wasn't big because it was a big story. It was big because the right wing press decided to make it big. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the more interesting aspect of all of this is that we are seeing traditionally supportive
0: papers beginning to turn against Johnson. Traditionally supportive papers that employ Michael Goe's wife. Interesting. Before we move on to uh, a couple of the other points from this week, we have to savour this champagne quote from the Cummings blog. It is sad to see the PM and his office fall so far below the standards of competence and integrity the country deserves. Who did he think he was working for? He thought he was working for someone that he could manipulate. That's the answer. Mm.
1: Uh, And it turned out that he wasn't. You know, his glove puppet turned around and bit him in the face. It just reminds me of Casablanca. You know, I'm shocked. (laughs) Shocked. Shocked. The thing that I have learned through my acting profession and through having played a lot of villains, is that villains never think themselves villains. Mm. There are very, very few examples of people who were doing evil and knew that were doing evil and were enjoying doing evil. Everyone Everyone is the hero of their own novella, and Cummings will be the hero of his own novella. He won't think of himself as a wicked person who does damage. He will think of himself as someone honourable with ideals uh, uh, that's been betrayed by other people, because the truth
0: is we all think of ourselves like that. I think we have to steel ourselves for the horrible prospect that uh, it may turn out that Dominic Cummings on lockdowns was actually kind of on our side. It might. It's interesting how in the latest piece about
1: lockdowns the name of Michael Gove appears I think 23 times and always in a way that makes him seem quite reasonable
0: and sort of trying to do the right thing. There are other things happening in the world this week specifically the absolute horror in India oxygen running out patients dying lack even of wood for cremations uh, the BBC is reporting that prices of oxygen cylinders, concentrators, and essential medicines have all rocketed on the black market. India's been setting records for cases and deaths for days. Over three hundred fifty thousand cases were notified on Monday. It's it's very hard to to sort of give an opinion on this, isn't it? You just stare in horror. And we've been worrying since this began that uh, a country would definitively lose control, that it would be it would go worse somewhere than it did in the USA or in Brazil. Could this be what's happening in India? Do you think? It could be. Um, I hope it's not.
1: I hope they get it under control. I'm afraid it fits within the general pattern that we've observed that populists don't do well in pandemics. And that's because viruses do not respond to macho stance. They respond to good advice and scientific direction. And populists, they may be sometimes on the libertarian side, sometimes on the authoritarian side, sometimes to the left, sometimes to the right, but they have one thing in common. They surround themselves with yes-men. And if you do that and then you have a, a, a crisis which requires people around you that will tell you when they think you're wrong and you've surrounded yourself with people who are afraid to do that, you're screwed. Mm, It's just grim. It it beggars belief that with what's going on in India right now, you still have people in the UK, COVID sceptics going, it's just like the flu, the warm weather kills it. The, you know, the peak comes down of its own accord, not because of lockdowns. I mean, Seriously, have a look at what happens to a country when simply the demand curve exceeds the maximum supply that that health service can provide. Does Julia Hartley Brewer think that cancer patients in India are getting treatment right now? Does Toby Young think
0: that bars and restaurants in, in India are opening and thriving right now? What did you think of the scenes in London over the weekend, the anti-mask, anti-lockdown events with seemingly all the worst people in the world uh, marching up and down Oxford Street? It's like we haven't learned anything at all, or or a large part of the population hasn't. It is, for me,
1: the idiocy of comfort, almost. You are lucky enough to live in a country where uh, I think the government announced yesterday that almost 50% of the population has now been vaccinated. You are lucky to live in a country with a modern and integrated health system, which has made a huge difference, the fact that we have a national health system. You are lucky enough to live in a country where people on the whole follow the rules and, you know, stay locked down when they're asked to lock down. And you're taking advantage of all of, the, all of that, in order to go out and say that all those people are idiots and they're sheep and they're asleep and mock them and say that you're the clever one, taking absolute advantage of the space and health that I've created for you by staying at home, by wearing a mask, by sanitizing my hands, by having my vaccine. I've created the fucking space for you to go out
0: and mock me. What I found concerning was a, the sharp contrast with the heavy handedness that you saw at the Sarah Everard vigils. There was actual violence at the mask demo. There was no violence at the Sarah Everard vigils, but the the, uh, mask demo appeared to be just allowed to rumble along. There were arrests at the end. And also the insane sight of a woman wearing a yellow star with COVID on it. That just signaled to me, like we're about to enter our own QAnon-style abject breakdown. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. Maybe we aren't. Maybe we aren't. It's just you know know, a handful of people. Yeah, London
1: is a city of ten million. If you know, if that's the extent of their reach,
0: it's less than I thought. Yeah, let's be positive. Let's be positive. Alex, thanks for joining us bright and early on Monday morning. Thank you for having me, Andrew and we'll see you on the podcast soon. Listeners, remember, there's a new bunker every Monday to Thursday and Saturday morning as well. We're now leaving Friday free for Oh God, What Now? so you can enjoy all of our wide range of podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you uh, get your audio entertainment. And if you've got a minute, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you can. It all helps to spread the word. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. The
1: Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofraniewicz. The audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.